At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote what does every grocery store aisle now have in common Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, Lombardi Line here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher. He is Michael Lombardi. I have to tell you this really quickly because I wrote it down in my notes to tell you because this is right up your alley. Tonight, premiering on PBS. Ken Burns, Benjamin Franklin, Michael Lombardi. Oh, wow. It's, so you won't be I able to do it tonight, that my, but that is oh, I gotta tape it. I right gotta up tape my alley. That, I have a subscription to the all-access PBS. So, of course so, you do. Uh, and, I love, and, and Benjamin Franklin, I mean, maybe the most important American of all time. If you look big picture, pull back and look big. I mean, uh, he's, he's certainly top five. Uh, and so, but he's kind of an enigma. So, Ken, nobody does a better job, as you know, than Ken Burns kind of digging into that. So, just wanted to mention that uh, tonight awesome. on PBS. The other one that I wanted to bring well, up. Well, we can flip during the commercials. You know, there'll be you'll have plenty of time. You'll have plenty of time. And then, yeah. you know what? To kind of hoodwink Will, when he's writing you about basketball, send a random fact about Benjamin Franklin and see if he wants to continue <laughs> texting you. Now, the, the other one that I wanted to bring up, because this is getting wild. There's a report out there that Daniel Snyder potentially withheld ticket revenue, which was intended to be shared amongst the other teams. Of course, there's a league-wide pool. I, I think it's like 40% of the ticket revenue mm-hmm. goes into a pool, and that's shared with the other uh, teams. If this is a death knell, I don't know. But remember, there's a congressional committee investigating the workplace culture as well. So there's a lot going on with Daniel Snyder and the commanders, Michael. And this is where it all started, right? So the, there's a Senate committee hearing on uh, 
on on the Washington football team and this ticket irregularity that has come up has come from a 24-year veteran of the Washington football team uh, tested in front of Congress about this financial impropriety. So it's from someone in. Now, what level of in does this employee have? I don't know. But if you're testifying in front of Congress under oath, you know, what you're saying, you've got to have backing and you've got to have support. And so this is going to be interesting to see what happens. The Washington had no comment today when they were asked about it. Obviously, they're going to have to get in front of it. And the commissioner and the NFL owners are going to want to answer, too. I mean, this is now going to want to find out really what's going on. And if Congress is looking into it, it's never good. It's not good. But it is something that you and I discussed yesterday with the commander sitting seven, seven and a half. Again, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss this specifically after college basketball wraps up. Uh, it does feel like you're leaning under initially on the commanders. Um, I can't see where they have improved their football team. I, I really can't. I mean, you know, every year you go into the offseason with, you know, and, and I learned this through Belichick and Parcells is, you know, for us to function next year as a team, we must have this. You know, and then that's a category, must. And then there's another category called need. We need this to be a better team. And so you must, and then it's want. And want is kind of the luxury items where those three categories, you've got to try to somehow massage your way through it. And some of the wants may be young players becoming better. Some of the needs may be that too. But for Washington, when I look at this roster and I see their depth chart, I don't see how they are going to. They've got some really good names on defense, certainly. Do they play at that level? Sweat, Payne, Allen, Chase Young, really good front four guys. Are they going to play to that level? Linebacker, not so much. Secondary was not very good last year. So, you know, as we mentioned, they're 31st on third down, 32nd. I mean, this is with all these guys on their team, and they're not changing their scheme. You know, one of the things about great, defensive teams is they're good in all three areas, players, coaches, and scheme. You know, go back to the Steelers when they adjusted their scheme in the 70s to to the shade 4-3 and Joe Green became over the, you know, became that shaded nose. They had great players, adjusted their scheme, which made the players even great. I don't see that in Washington. And couple that with the drama. You know, I again, I, I mentioned this yesterday on our weekend edition of the Lombardi line, but Alex Smith came out and said, that penetrates. That kind of, that's, that oh. trickles down the drama in that front office and the overall vibe and losing a fan base. One of the proud franchises and fan bases in the history of the league, which has now been completely depleted. Like, there's overall bad vibes with this commander yeah, team. No doubt. It's not and, just the on-field on product. And they brought a quarterback in with no leadership skills. They brought a quarterback yeah. in that is not endearing to his teammates. I mean, that, that really becomes problematic, you know? And so how do you handle that? And so this is an offense last year that would get the ball into the red zone, and they were 29th in terms of scoring. 51% of the time they got into the red zone, they scored touchdowns. That's not good. You know, that's not good. In fact, you can go back to the Green Bay game in week seven that they had a chance down. They turned that thing over constantly. You know, and so I, I'm not as high on them. I think seven and a half is the perfect number, seven and ten, eight and nine. I think they're going to be somewhere in there. They're going to be a problem for some teams to play. But, you know, I think Philadelphia with these three number one picks, Philadelphia is one of the few teams I think this year with all these draft picks that they have that could improve their win total, which is why I think Vinny isn't putting it out there. Because I do think that there are certain teams that can add this depth to their team that could make them better. I mean, 
you know, they, they bring back I – and mean, Fletcher Cox wasn't great last year, nor, you know, they, they've got – nor was Barnett. But they're going to add three really good players to their team that should come in and play in it and help them right away. Let's throw up those NFC East odds. As you see, the Eagles, your second betting favorite in division at 3-1. to one. The Cowboys, no surprise. Favorites, Michael, at minus 120. The Commanders, 4.5-1. Uh, to one. The Giants, 7-1. to one. That's BetMGM's numbers. Uh, you mentioned the Eagles. They're going all in with the quarterback, it appears. Who knows? But – there's their win total set at eight and a half. So that number is eight and a half. What does that mean to you? Well, I, I think it's really a good, I mean, I think I would lean towards the over there. Certainly. Uh, look, their quarterback is going to be a good runner in the regular season. It, the problem for the Eagles football team is when they get into that postseason. And they were benefited by the schedule. I mean, when that plane landed after the November 14th game in Denver, which they won, and they were four and they became four and six after that game, they really benefited from a soft schedule at that point. New Orleans without a starting quarterback, the Giants without one, the Jets without a good player, Washington without a good quarterback, the Giants again without a good quarterback, Washington again without a quarterback, and then Dallas in a game that was meaningless, and Dallas, you know, they lost 51-26 to when they didn't play anybody. So that schedule was really, really easy for them, but I don't see New York didn't improve their quarterback situation. Neither did Washington. So why shouldn't they be able to grab four wins from those two teams? Are you on when they played when they played good teams last year, Philly, specifically on defense, mm -hmm. when they played San Francisco's good offense, when they played Dallas's good offense, when they played Kansas City, when they played Tampa and the Raiders with, with Derek Carr, they couldn't stop the forward pass. They could not. I mean, in those in those games there, they gave up they gave up a boatload of yards and a boatload of uh, of passing yards, and I think they only had 15 incompletions in those five games that they were forced. So the schedule is going to get a little tougher for them. I'm looking at another book here in town. The Cowboys even bigger favorites at minus 150. Did you do Dallas radio today? Was that did I saw you tweet about that? Was that a Dallas hit? That was uh, I was last week. Yeah, that okay. was last week. So I did that. are yeah. you um, are you on board? with a, a big-time favorite there at minus 150 for the Cowboys in division? I never really trust the Cowboys completely. You know, I, I think there is drama in Dallas, certainly with Sean Payton hanging above their head. Uh, I, I don't think they've improved their offensive line to the level that I think they need to, especially at right tackle and at left guard. I was trying to talk them off the ledge. Everybody in Dallas is worried that Amari Cooper is not, not going to be there. For me, Amari Cooper is a good player, but at $20 million, you need to take those resources and sprinkle them somewhere else. The bigger concern for me in Dallas is they're wasting all this money on, on Zeke, and they don't get anything out of Zeke that, that is commensurate to what, he, what they pay him. They don't treat Zeke like a weapon. He's not Alvin Kamara. You know, They don't make him a weapon, which really would make him more dynamic, and he can do things in the passing game. But they don't. And this once great offensive line now, with question marks at right tackle, they're going to put Terrence Steele over there. With question marks at left guard with Williams going. And, I mean, that left guard last year who Miami signed killed them in that playoff game against, the Washington, against San Francisco. Yeah, I just I agree with you. I, I think it should be a little bit tighter with the Cowboys and Eagles. The, you know what the Eagles feel like? A regular season team. They've got a regular yeah, season quarterback and a regular season team. 
that are, that's going to be hard. You got to to play them. You've got it's hard to play them, right? I mean, because you, it's a little bit like playing. They're like playing Air Force or Army. They run something that's uniquely different than most of the league because of their quarterback running a single wing. So it becomes real problematic. But I, here's what I do think. I, you know, one thing I do know from talking from working here at Veasan and that these these turnovers that you're able to create so successfully one season. They were, the Cowboys were first in the National Football League and turnovers created. Sometimes that turnover creation doesn't come back again. And if that doesn't come back again, it's going to be problematic for them. Is there any possibility? We understand the 32 owner ownership groups. They, they have each other's backs. Do you sense there might be a splintering? Not when it comes to money. Not when it comes to money. Not when it comes no, no, to no, no, not no. when it comes to keeping money in your not pocket. Not when it comes to your Ben Franklin's. Not when it comes. He's, he's Ben Franklin is their best friend. Yes, <laughs> that, that's what that is full circle. What we call full circle in broadcasting, right back where we started with Ben Franklin. But your point is well taken. He I, is their best friend. I mean, when you're taking and that, that yeah. will that. You steal from the – if you manipulate your books to take away from the owners, which then implies are you taking away from the players and the salary cap, that's a salary cap violation. I mean, this has got real severe consequences that could impact the league tremendously. And it isn't that – you know, the Congress isn't – they are the ones who uncovered it. It's just ironic, too, that we've talked about the devolving culture and also just the fan base devolving there with the commanders – and in, he's responsible for it. Daniel Snyder, no offense to him. But in there, he also had to keep money from ticket revenue because, you know, nobody's showing up to the games anymore. No, you can't, you can't give away. Nobody's going to you FedEx. Go to, you, go to, you, go, you, go to, you can get a ticket for probably 10 bucks on Sunday morning for those games. They'll give them away. When they play the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Giants, it's, there's more. It's all it's, visiting teams. Yeah, it's all visiting fans, which is wild because, like you said, I you know, when I was growing up with Joe Gibbs, like there's no, there wasn't a bigger franchise on the planet than the nope. at the time the Redskins, now the Commanders. Okay, more football talk next here at Lombardi Line. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, still a chance. Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup. Breakfast Baconator, croissant combos, hot or cold coffee. So, any great team, Wendy's, bringing the breakfast legends. They always do. Oven-baked sizzling bacons, freshly cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Okay, we mentioned it, it's a it's a it's a crazy week. I mean, it really is. Mr. Baseball, he's got to get his catcher's mitt ready to go because we got. I got to get going here. I got to get going on it. But I got the guide. You got to get the guide. Start studying these teams. You know, the guy needs to come with name pronunciations too because I'm so bad at it. I need to really <laughs> the practice bullpens. That, but, the bullpens yeah, will put your brain in a, in a pretzel because yeah, I mean, it's, just it's a global game. But I'm, I'll work it. <laughs> it's a global game. There. Put it that way. Um, I I also had written down. ESPN did a story. Uh, today, kind of a comprehensive story about the draft and the draft process mm-hmm. and the prep process where general managers can kind of analysis paralysis prep too much. You, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to stick, and we're going to get to AFC West here in a second, but I wanted to go back to, I thought when I was talking about specializing, picking a division in baseball and betting, you brought up something very interesting about how you would prepare for a draft as far as specialization, because it does seem like you're kind of sitting in that office for 12 hours a day 
is there a chance that you can overly prep for a draft as a, as a front office exec? Oh, there's no, t there's no doubt. You, you, but what really sinks into bad drafts, and we've all made them, so I'm not being critical and throwing stones at somebody else's house because I've lived in it too. And I, I think ultimately what, what you try to do the longer this thing goes is to see things that just aren't there. You start to believe in things that just don't really that 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 you feel like you can correct with coaching. You know, I can remember sitting in a draft meeting in 1991, the very first draft meeting where Belichick became the head coach of the Browns. And we were still in this old facility in Berea on First Street. And we had this makeshift draft room. It wasn't very big. And, you know, all the scouts are in there and everybody's reading the reports and they start talking about how this player needs coaching, that player needs development, this player needs coaching. And finally, the only coach in the room, Belichick, says, at what point doesn't a player need coaching? And it's a little bit of a crutch, right? So most of the scouts, when they see a player get coached and play well, you know, I told you he was a good player, we just need to coach it. When they see him not play well, that's not a mistake, he just didn't get coaching, right? And so when you, when you look at that and you see it, you say, okay, what's going on? I mean, let's take example this year, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Did he get really – Mac Jones. Mac Jones got really well coached. Trevor Lawrence perhaps not yeah. as much. You know, and so you see that variable, and that's what scouts cling to. But what I think more – what happens more than ever is you become – you become preoccupied. You convince yourself that Kenny Pickett's going to become better at what he does. You convince yourself because I thought the most interesting commentary – of this offseason so far came from Scott Federer of the Panthers when he said this will be an interesting because the tackles are the best players on the board. But we need a quarterback. And at some point you have to take a shot, especially in the top ten. That's what he said. You hate to force it because when you force it, it could be a mistake. That's what he said. And all those things are true. But what he's saying is because this quarterback, I mean, you're basically, when you force it in the top ten, you have no chance. You have no chance of success. It's less than 10% chance you're going to hit on it. So you know that and you still do it. It's, it's what Einstein says, stupidity. And that's what I think all this time allows you to do. You know you're going to have a hard time, right? You know you're going to have a hard time. I mean, even if you have the first pick in the draft, over the course of, I think, the, since the millennial started, there have been, there've been 12, there have been uh, – there have been 24 players picked overall at quarterback in the first round. Twelve were first picked overalls, okay? Three are Hall of Famers. Excuse me, there have been 12 overall, just in general. Three are Hall of Famers, three are bust, and six are just manageable players. Hmm. I mean, so what you're saying here, Scott's saying everything that, that makes sense, but yet he's going to go against it anyway. Right. Well, we got to take a chance. You know, like, why are you taking a chance when you know the odds are so completely stacked against you? And it's, it almost becomes a sense of arrogance where you believe that despite the evidence, you can change the player. Because it's easy for Mel, it's easy for Todd, it's easy for these draft gurus, these mock draft guys, to say, take this guy. Well, you don't have to live with the consequences. You don't have to. Great point about... And that's where almost over analysis, the GM down in, in Carolina, he was talking about this is strength of the tackles. And then he's like, but we got to take a chance eventually on a quarterback. And so we're going to pass a really good player. Mm -hmm. And we know he would be our starting left tackle and we would be really good because we're going to take a guy that we hope can become a good player when three years from now we know he's not very good. 
You know, it's like, okay, like seriously, like instead of wondering, like go back, I don't think there's enough time. This is what I have. And I think the analytical community does a better job at this and they need to. I don't think there's enough time on drafts spent on looking back. Everybody looks forward. You know, like really understand why Mitchell Trubisky didn't play for three years at Carolina. Like explain that. If you could ever explain that, you would be really good. You know, why did Josh Rosen, you know, I made a comment that I I think J.J. Watt on Twitter got mad at me because I said that he was more interested in other things than football. You know, there was no real love of Rosen as a teammate. You know, if you watch Baker Mayfield, the Georgia game, his inability to handle Georgia's pressure was really what you needed to see. And then there's Brett Favre, who leads Southern Mississippi after being, in, after being in a car accident and beats Alabama his senior year. And yet you ignore that. You ignore Lamar Jackson's Heisman Trophy. You ignore Lamar Jackson's production at Louisville saying, well, you know, he's really not ready. Same thing with Watson. You see how it works both ways? Yeah. Too much time creates this, this, this problem. It happens in everything. And you got to hit on that position. It's so interesting. They just well, you have to hit on it. But you, but you, but if you know, it's like if we know there's no oil here, why are we drilling? Yeah. I mean, you got a better chance of getting oil in West Texas than you do picking some of these guys in the first round. You know, it's like I get. Look, I get Green Bay taking a chance on Jordan Love at the bottom of the first round. Okay, got it. You got one. This is the time to do it. But when you know you're walking into it, and there's a 25 percent chance. In, any, in this round that you're going to get it. I mean, Parcells did a quarterback study back from 1980 to 2005. He reviewed every 54 players selected. Only seven of eight of the quarterbacks reviewed became elite. Seven to eight percent. Those numbers haven't varied at all. That's the amazing thing. You know what's shocking about this is when you pick a quarterback, second pick overall in the draft, there have been five in this, in this since the millennial. There's only one that's been a good player, and we don't know if he's good. That's Zach Wilson. And so, for example, like a Matt Corral, who's undersized, 6'2", maybe. But think about him. So think about he, he gets Kiffin, and then all of a sudden his numbers explode. There's not a lot of post-snap reading going on. You know, it, like, how do you analyze a Matt Corral who's dual threat, really good arm, uh, other than RPO that? RPO offense. RPO offense. offense like, easy throws. Yes. I mean, no press coverage, no tight windows. You basically, you sit there, you grade them. And I don't see how anybody, and I've been in the league and I've written reports, I don't see how anybody could sit there and say this is a starter in his first year in the league. I can't see how you could write the word starter next to Matt Corral's name. I think you could write the word potential starter. Right. He has the potential to start. But, again, we know this. Small quarterbacks with lack of lower body strength have a very challenging time of playing 16, 17 games because their bodies wear down. They become less effective, and just and so yeah, you, you you have to be really careful. And and remember, we're in an era where we're watching them throw the ball. When when there was an era when there was no quarterbacks throwing the ball, that was even harder. And system specific, a lot of quarterbacks can put up big numbers in at Kiffin offense, right? You're walking yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, a lot of quarterback. It was same thing. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky put up great numbers in North Carolina, but did you know why he didn't start? You know, do you know if you go back and watch Sam Darnold's high school tape? He had a lot of incompletions in high school. Had a lot of incompletions at USC. Why? Like, see, see it all. There's a, there is always a pattern. But when you choose to ignore the pattern, you know, then it becomes a problem. 
This is a good time. We've been talking about the three guides that are 19 bucks. You can go to vsun.com right now. Uh, our draft guide is going to drop on the April 25th, so coming up here uh, in about 19 days. However, the master's guide is dropping tonight. So I want to make sure yeah. everybody gets over there, vsun.com slash spring. And you can go check out some of the previews and then decide if you want to get in involved and the got, Major League Baseball betting guide, which you can check out the divisions right now at VEASAN.com. I got my, my main source on golf. Okay. Yes. Here's, here's, here's who he likes. Answer. Okay. Connors. Fleetwood. He always loves Fleetwood. Horschel loves Kapka and Smith. Cam Smith. Okay. Yep. Um, who? I'm going to try to find Who were the first three you gave me there? Mm, answer, okay. Connors, and, and, and Fleetwood. He loves Fleetwood. Loves Fleetwood. I love Abraham. Always loves Fleetwood. I love Abraham answer at 70 to 1. Why not take a shot? There, 10 bucks, 100 bucks. Hey, if not now, when, Patrick? <laughs> That's if not the now, question when? I'm trying to figure out. I, I don't yeah. know. The, the answer is now is the answer. Now. Again, betting guide for MLB. Masters drops tonight. And the NFL draft betting guide over at beaston.com slash spring. to the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, we were just discussing this. Another hit won't hurt. Opening day, it's Masters, opening day, and of course, the draft. Uh, you got the Masters and opening day on the same day. So that first week of April, it's going to be awesome this coming Thursday. We get betting intel from our experts. We'll have a breakdown of every golfer in the field, plus futures bets and matchups from long shots, Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans. Remember, that guy drops tonight. Sign up today. You can get a little quick preview if you go to VEASAN.com right now. Sign up today and get full access to that. Get the baseball guide and get the draft guide for $19. VEASAN.com slash spring vsn.com slash spring. Okay. Great, great information. I know a lot of people put a lot of hard work into it. I want to be, let's be clean. Did you clean that up? You're not doing a mock draft for the, but I mean, oh, you'll, no. you'll, you'll, you'll no do whatever yeah, you, you'll help out, but you can't. I, I mean, I'll continue to write. I mean, no, I mean, I, I just, to me, that's not, that's not my area of expertise. <laughs> I just was reading from the paper yesterday. I got, you know what? I got caught in the crossfire. I was just reading from the paper. You know, no, there was no crossfire. I wasn't upset. No, I know least. you weren't upset. Was, I, know, I know. I know. That was just, you know, it's clear. You know, I mean, yeah, I just want to make sure people aren't sitting there thinking, waiting for it. You know, I mean, no, that's not that's never going to happen. I mean, my man, Bill A.D., he knew that he was he he was good. We're all good. I love it. Josh Applebaum joins us now. Got a couple of good things on the docket here. Josh Market Insights, of course, betting across America. Hope you're having a good Monday. Let's start off. I mean, I'm looking at the North Carolina, Kansas betting, and it does seem pretty much split right down the middle, right? Yeah, it really is, guys. Patrick, Michael, great to be with you. And yeah, as a contrarian better, this is kind of, you know, disappointing for me because I was looking for a bet against the public play tonight. So I think this makes the cap a little bit more difficult. So obviously going into this, you know, you look at some of these futures numbers, guys. Uh, you had Kansas 16 to 1 entering the uh, March Madness here. Now they're a minus 190 favorite to win it. Uh, North Carolina was 30 to 1. And now they're uh, on the money line here, plus 170 around there. But in terms of the percentages, Patrick, you're exactly right. 
It's going to be extremely heavily bet game. It's kind of a quiet day today. There's no NBA. And I'm looking for a 70-30 bet split, but we're not getting it, guys. It's 50-50 right down the middle. I think the public says Kansas playing great, covering numbers as a favorite. UNC, though, uh, has been equally as good, and they're you know winning a lot of these games outright as a dog. So at BetMGM, Patrick, you nailed it. Uh, there's only uh, around uh, 54% of bets on Kansas, uh, 53% of money, so it's pretty much split. The one thing I've noticed, though, is you do have a little disagreement. Like anyone who's looking at Kansas here, obviously is looking at the minus four, and we're pretty much four across the board. But anytime you get to four and a half, that four and a half with the hook gets bought back with uh, a lot of UNC money to bring it back down to four. So to me, guys, I know it's not sexy, but it's kind of a no play for me. What I'm going to do is look at the total, guys. Uh, I'm looking at the under tonight. Obviously, you have two really good offensive teams, but what's notable to me is you do have kind of a blueprint reverse line move to the under. You're getting about 60% of bets at better. MGM on the over, but you're actually seeing this line fall. That's really notable. You know, it opened at 153 and a half. It's down to 152, even 151 and a half. Ken Palm's got a 154, but our buddy Greg Hoops uh, has a 149. And you are getting kind of low bets, higher dollars, around 40% of bets, but almost 50% of money on the under. We have seen these unders, 55% in the tournament. And maybe you get a quick turnaround, tired legs type of under. That's what I'm looking at here, guys, after a quick turnaround Saturday uh, to today. So both these teams have been good to the over on the year. 20 and 17 Kansas, 22 and 16 for UNC. But it's really notable to me that public's on the over, yet the line's falling. If you can still find a 152 out there, there's a couple of them. I'm on under 152 tonight. Well, I mean, the one thing I would say about the under that I think you have to take into consideration as great as both teams are offensively and, you know, the adjusted uh, offensive numbers for Kansas are six in the country and 18 for North Carolina. Both these teams are really good defensively. And this will come down to which team plays the best defense. There's, it's always in championship level games. It's never about how many points to score the offense, all this. It's who plays the most best defense at the most crucial time, like North Carolina did in the last minute. It, not fouling, you know, against Duke. Same thing with Kansas when they needed to play great defense. So I, I certainly could see the case for the under here because of that. Yeah, and you mentioned, do you have the score prediction from Hoops Peterson there, Josh? Because I got Ken Palm. He's got it an 80-74 win for Kansas. So he's got it a six-point game covering the four, four and a half, obviously, and going over the posted total. What did Greg have the final score predicted at? Yeah, so Greg, uh, looking at his, his spreadsheet right now, he has North Carolina, or he has Kansas winning by five points. So Greg does it differently. He doesn't give you like the exact outcome, but he has Kansas by five, and he's got a total of 149. And to Michael's point with that, you know, defense and, and the under quick turnaround. Uh, the other thing that's kind of fishy, guys, is, you know, again, both these teams have been over teams on the year. I think it was baked into the cake with that kind of high, you know, 153 and a half opener. And even though you're getting the betting on the over, the line is falling. So in a championship game, maybe a lockdown a little bit on defense. We still are in this, you know, cavernous, you know, uh, football type stadium, even though it didn't matter on Saturday, both overs hit. But it just ju kind of really jumps out to me that this total is falling despite heavy public betting on the over. Okay, there it is. We, Michael and I were joking about Embiid campaigning for that MVP. Quickly on that, because I know you've got defensive player of the year numbers. I'll say this, Jokic, Michael and I sat here last Monday, Jokic was right around, I don't know, even money plus 105. Today, he's minus 250 to win the MVP at BetMGM. So Embiid has fallen there. I'm not sure what else he can do. What about the defensive player of the year, Josh? 
Yeah, and poor Embiid even said something like, hey, what do I got to do here to win the MVP? So poor guy, but I think, you know, he's looking to go deeper in the playoffs. And uh, to your point too, Patrick, 538, Nate Silversight, they do like a war, wins above replacement, kind of like baseball. They have Jokic, uh, a 21.6 war. The next best guys, Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum are all, are, are all around like an 11 or a 12. So if you bet that, you know, earlier number on, on Jokic, you're feeling good right now, even minus 275 at some shops. But uh, guys, Marcus Smart, my guy on the Boston Celtics, great to defensive player you know he's kind of in the conversation defensive player of the year every year but he never wins it I think this is the year he gets it guys the updated number on defensive player of the year Marcus Smart has really shot up here plus 125 uh, his biggest competitors Bam Adebayo plus 275 Bridges plus 375 Gobert a guy who pretty much wins it every year he's fallen a little bit plus 475 and the angle with Marcus Smart is you know he's the best defensive player on the best defensive team the Celtics are the number one defensive efficiency team in the NBA uh, so he's having a uh, career year in a lot of different categories he plays great d and i think he's winning this award not just because he's a good defensive player but because he plays on the number one defensive team give him some props for that so i hit smart today plus 125 to win dpoi but you can't say that name without saying it like a true person from boston right <laughs> isn't, that, spot. isn't that the yeah, easiest spot. <laughs> isn't that the easiest one to say and then uh finally josh before we say goodbye for the day nfl draft first wide receiver selected give us some numbers on the wide receivers yeah i want to throw this at michael just see if he's got a lean here a little bit it's really a two uh two player race here between garrett wilson from ohio state uh and drake london there from usc so wilson is a slight favorite plus 110 to be the first player uh first wide receiver selected london plus 140 then you know we get burks williams Olave, pickens uh you know closer to like 10 to 1 but if you're looking at a couple numbers here you know wilson has been linked number eight to atlanta uh have to replace ridley and you got to kind of re retool your your uh, wide receiver core london has been linked number 11 to washington london's got the size 65 220 but he's coming off an ankle injury wilson put up some big numbers at ohio state so michael any lean here it kind of feels like wilson but does someone fall in love with the size of drake london and make him win this one you know, I, I think it's Wilson, but I think at receivers, I can't imagine Atlanta. I mean, can you imagine Atlanta taking another oh, receiver no. at the first round? I mean, like, seriously, I know they need to replace Calvin Ridley, but who's going to, unless they count the five Mississippi, they're not going to block whoever's the, Mariota won't last two games there. He won't last two games behind that. So I, I do. I, I think, you know, look, size, size, quickness is the most important factor. And I, and I think that's why I would lean in that direction. Yeah, Wilson's so I, If you watch Ohio State, I'm not sure how you separate Wilson and Olave. They're both so explosive, but maybe the quickness factor to Wilson. Uh, London's a big receiver there out of USC. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Michael. I just think to me, you know, it's it's always that everybody's board has so many receivers taking, you know, going early, you know, doing all that. And so I think ultimately, you know, you've got to kind of see, you know, what fits for your team, how it works. But Wilson, to me, you could see those Ohio State receivers, especially some of those young kids. We saw them in the Rose Bowl. My Lord, against Utah, yep. they were tremendous. But I, I get the sense, too, as we talk NFL draft, I get the sense that that really, uh, I mean, everybody has Hutchinson going the first pick overall. I, I really get the sense that w when you look at this, this is that there's there's other considerations, and I think Walker from Georgia is as high. I know Peter King had him today in his top five. I think he's certainly a consideration for first overall yeah. because he's really a good player, and and he kind of has done it 
against a better level of comp, and I, and I could see that. Uh, Thibodeau is talented, but I, I think there's just those moments of inconsistency. Yeah, there's some questions surrounding Thibodeau, of course. And Hutchinson's a pretty prohibitive favorite, right, Josh, as far as the number? I thought it, last time I looked, maybe 240 for Hutchinson go yeah. one. You're almost exactly right, Patrick. Yeah, Hutchinson minus 250 to go first overall. Uh, Walker plus 300. Michael Walker is your favorite to go second overall. He's plus 250. I know we're up against it, but uh, real quick, Michael, any thoughts on first offensive lineman? It's Equanu, slight favorite, minus 165. Neil plus 135. You know, I think Equanu's. I think he's the guy. Now, Neil's obviously been in a great, a big system, but I think Equanu, uh, you know, from where he played, I think you hear people talking about him with reverence. I do really do. Josh, your Bruins 14 to 1 to win the cup. Am I throwing away money? Yo, you like that? We, no, we want the cup. Let's get it. Bring it back <laughs> home. Get the duck boat ready, Pat. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashed the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards, the loyalty program, which is awesome. Get points, and you can use those redeemable points for online bonuses or convert it into comps at MGM Resorts Nationwide. It's awesome. It's a great loyalty program like your credit card. You use it, you keep on accruing points there. BetMGM or download the app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get even bigger piece of the action with the rewards. Got to be 21 years or older, and if you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, we're back here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I wanted to get you caught up quickly, Michael. Uh, I will say, I-, I was watching just a little bit, maybe it was Saturday against Charlotte. Uh, James Harden, he can't move. He just stands around. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Embiid yesterday, and he was Embiid was great against Charlotte, but Embiid yesterday, 44 points, 17 boards, and five blocks. And that's where he said after the game, you know, I don't know what I have to do. He said he feels like they have something against him, and the standard is different in Philly to win an MVP, whatever that means. Um, yeah, I don't know what that means either, but I do think this about Harden. I think, you know, you can see him. He can penetrate against anybody. I mean, I don't think he runs fast, but I still think he has quickness. The concerning sure. part for me watching Harden, you know, is his inability to make shots. I mean, his his – you know, when I used to watch him play, when he played against Philadelphia or any other team, his shooting was incredible. But that's not been the case over the last 13 games. He's shooting, you know, he's shooting right around 30%, and it's, you know, right at the three-pointer. I mean, he's not making those shots that typically you would think he would make. And that's that's got to be the real concern for Harden. I mean, you know, he's averaging 22 points a game, but when you get him extended out there to that three-point line, you, you know, it's just not the same, and it hasn't really been the same. He had a triple-double yesterday, but it, a, a triple-double, but it was an ugly triple-double. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball good at all. Actually, Curry shoots, was shooting the Seth Curry, who they traded, was shooting much better from the three-point line than he's been. And when he doesn't shoot well, the spacing kind of nails down, and, you know, and they don't shoot well as a, as a team to begin with. They had that aberration against the Hornets where Harris was making all his shots and Yang was making all his shots. And, but typically the only consistent three-point shooter they have on the team is Tobias right now. Well, here's where we stand with the play-in tournament next week and most teams three, four games to play. So Milwaukee, as you mentioned, a loss to Dallas yesterday. So Boston moves up. Miami's sitting one seed in the Eastern Conference. They're two up on Boston. 
Both Boston and Miami have three games to play. Milwaukee is your three seed on the tiebreak over Philly. Philly, your fourth seed. Uh, they are tied in the loss column. Both those teams have four to play. Yesterday, the Toronto Raptors lost to the Heat, so they fall, Michael, back to the sixth seed. Chicago jumps to the five seed. Chicago owns the tiebreak over the Bulls. So, again, you go seven. This is the play-in. Seven, Cleveland, who is, uh, let's see, two and a half back of Toronto for the six. Atlanta, eight. Charlotte, nine. Brooklyn, ten. But I, I bring it up because Philadelphia right now, if the playoffs were to start, would be taking on that 4-5 matchup of Chicago. I, they want Chicago more than they want Toronto. Would you agree? No doubt, no doubt. But what they need more than anything is they need for Harden to improve his 30.9, 30.8 shooting, uh, what he was the last two games from the three-point line, and they've got to improve. I mean, on the season, he's he's at 30, 30% shooting. I mean, he's only made, since he's been a 76er, the most three-pointers three pointers he's made is four. You know, when you can go back to when he played for the Nets, he, you know, he had a, he had a bunch of four games. He had a six game. I mean, that was early in the season. He had a five game. He hasn't shot the ball well. And if you're Daryl Morey, you've got to be really concerned about his inability. Is he losing his lower body? I mean, you know, you go back to when they lost to Denver. He's one for four from the three-point line. You know, then Cleveland, one for six. Then Dallas, three for eight. Oh, Toronto, he's 0 for four. And then the Lakers, one for six. And then he had a good game against the Clippers. They lost anyway. They beat the Clippers. He's four for nine. And they destroyed the Clippers, 122. He's four for nine. Right. Mm -hmm. But when he doesn't but he doesn't shoot well, I mean, the last three games he's made he's made two two uh, three pointers in each of the game in each of the game they've played. And he's taken he's taken 22 shots. He's six for 22 from the three point line. Fair to say the butt is off the rose with Harden in Philly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's a concern and you're and as an executive and a, a, as somebody who watches athletes, you know, the one thing about the NBA that I think is is different than the NFL is you see players' legs go quicker than you do in the NFL. They can hide it a little bit more in the NFL. Not so much a corner. Like when you watch Dow Rivas play earlier, in his, he went later in his career, you could see he had no juice in his lower body. It was fairly obvious. In the NBA, it becomes obvious. And when a guy doesn't shoot well, who's a, who's a really good shooter, that tells you maybe he doesn't have the juice in his lower body anymore. I think it's fair. Uh, quickly, West, and we'll get to the national championship game. Uh, one through four have clinched Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas. Not necessarily positioning, seating, but those four teams are in. Denver five, Utah six. Now Utah is a game and a half up on Minnesota sitting seven. Minnesota's got three to play. You know, Minnesota, as long as they have those three players, they're going to be dangerous. They're good. And offensively, they're, they're super You don't want to play them. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to play them. I mean, they're good. You know, they've won two in a row. I mean, Utah, we know Utah, when they get into the, when they get into the tournament, you know, that, that's when they're not at their best. That's right. You know, <laughs> same Utah thing was every really, year. Utah was really good on the road last year. They were really good on the road. They were, they were good last year. Not so, this year, they're two games below 500 on the road. So, you know, if Minnesota gets in there and, you know, they're going to be a problem, uh, you know, I do think, to me, you know, the, the Pelicans, I mean, the Pelicans play the clip. I, mean, I, I don't know who would be the two, who's going to be seven, who's going to be eight in the West, but I do know this. You know, other than Dallas, Golden State, Memphis, and, and Phoenix, those are the four best teams. And I think if Dallas was playing in the East, I think if Dallas was playing in the East, I think they would represent the East in the, in, in the, in the thing. I think they're one of the best teams that nobody talks about. 
No one talks about how good, and they play great defense. Yesterday, they, they were really good on defense. They made Middleton try to beat him. He couldn't do it. They played great underneath. I mean, Donich was sensational. He was really good. So, but, you know, they play in a really hard division. It's, it's really challenging where they have to play. And the big story in the West, obviously, the Lakers spit the bit yesterday. They've lost six straight. They lost to Denver. So they are two back with four to play. Looks like they are done. Okay, we transition. Yeah. Go ahead. If I you mean, we to talk up. about the Lakers. I mean, we talk about the Lakers like they're just going to turn it on. I mean, there's, you know, it's like, you know, when an old car doesn't run, you, you ain't going to run. Like, it, it just isn't going to, it isn't there. You know, I learned that my second year in the league, and I always to say, when was it the 49ers? Oh, if we just get in, we'll figure it out. No. If you don't play good going in, you ain't going to play good when you get there. Tipping at midnight on the East Coast yes. tonight, North Carolina, Kansas, <laughs> open four, sitting four. Here's the thing about North Carolina. Uh, they are 5-0 and ATS their last five games overall. So if you have them losing, you can still catch the four. I think you might get a four and a half. I don't know. This this number's kind of tri- kind of tricked me a little I think bit. It's, to me, I think the four is too big of a number. I like Kansas in the game. I do. I like I like Kansas in the game. I picked them, to, I picked them in my family tournament. I'm going to stick with Kansas. I think this is I don't I think it's just too many points. I lean towards taking the points, but I like Kansas. Yeah, I like Kansas. I like Kansas to roll. I, I really think the Baycott injury, if his mobility is affected at all, and we've talked about McCormick coming on, if his mobility is affected at all, that's huge because Kansas is such a beast on the offensive glass. That's what Baycott needs to do is clean up the boards. I don't know. Maybe it's Abaji being the most dynamic player. They've got the best player in Remy Martin coming off the bench. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm piecing it together too much to love Kansas, but that's just where I sit right now with Kansas. Well, I think it makes sense. I mean, the bench, Baycott's injury, you know, but this and the magic, you know, North Carolina's been so good. They've been shooting the ball so well. It's going to come down to guard play. It's going to come down to, yep. you know, R.J. Davis and Love, you know, Abaji and, and Harris, how they handle all that. I think it's going to come down to guard play. It's interesting how this line has stayed right there at four because the power rankings say that's where it is. Thomas Gable thought it was at six. Our guy, Greg Peterson, thinks it's at six, thinks it's at five. So, you know, to me, if you like Kansas, you shouldn't be as scared of the four because people that power rank this for a living uh, have have it Kansas going to win the game. But the momentum, which we can't power rate, That's right. is always hard to be predict. Uh, and I don't know about you. I don't have a feel for the total. The duality of both offenses, I just don't have I a, like the. Uh, go ahead. I, my, my sense of championship play is always the defense has to come through. Whoever can play the must defense has got to come through. Now, I say that, but what worries you is if you foul too much, you get to the line, all of a sudden, you know, here we go. You're getting a bunch of free points. But the way they play defense against Villanova, Kansas, and the way North Carolina plays defense, when they want to go, I'm leaning under here. It would be pretty rote for me to say, you know, Bill Self's got a national championship, the experience. But what Hubert Davis has shown, I can't really knock him. You know, uh, there there is a humility to him, and his in-game has been awesome. So I can't knock him as yeah. far as an advantage the other no. way. I, yeah, I agree. You know I mean, look, saying? he hasn't been outcoached. You know, everybody thinks he's, nope. you know, hey, he's got his team to play the best at the best time, which to me is is about what the coach brings to the table. Well, I know you got to write your book, but my suggestion would be nap for about seven hours starting yeah. in 25 seconds. <laughs> enjoy. Oh, I got Bella to worry about, too. I can't nap. Are you kidding me? Come on. I'll see you. On, enjoy the basketball Thanks, game. Patrick. I'll see you next time. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate Good it. Good luck. Thank you to everybody behind the glass as well. Odds on coming up next right here on Visa and Sports Betting Network.
make your